Live around Australia on SEN, welcome to Off The Tee. Talking all things golf with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Ah, yes, indeed. Welcome to another episode of Off The Tee. And have we got some incredible results and some big discussion points. A whole lot going on in the world of golf. A whole lot to get through after a massive weekend of it. And there's no one better to do it with than the former world number 16, the only man to have beaten Tiger Woods twice in two attempts at match play golf. I speak, of course, of Nick 2 and O'Hearn. Hello, mate. G'day, Sam. I, I love this time of year, the FedEx Cup playoffs. We've got majors happening. We've got Aussies winning. Does it get any better? No, it doesn't. So we're going to go through all of the results and all the news as we do each and every week for Ping Golf. Use Ping Golf equipment so you can play your best. By the way, get your text messages in now. We had a heap of them last week and there were some really good ones. So if you didn't get your text message read out with your question for Nick, Nick's tip of the week, we're asking you to text in a question you'd like him to answer to help you with your game. If your question is the one that we read out on air, you get a signed copy with a personal message to you of his book, How to Play Your Best Golf. It is a great golf book. It is the book that every golfer, no matter what your level, needs to have on your bookshelf and probably in your bag. To be honest, when you're out there, just refer to it. How do I play a ball below my feet on an uh, incline? Uh, all of that and a whole lot more. So 0433 98 11 16, your questions for Nick for Nick's tip of the week. It's for Mizuno. Golf hashtag nothing feels like a Mizuno. We've got a ton of stuff. We've got the mulligan. I've got two. That I Have you? To, I've got okay. two. We've got to finish creating the ultimate golfer, <laughs> yeah. which sort of fell by the wayside. That's okay. There's a lot happening. Yeah, you only need to drive it and putt it, right? We can do Yeah, there we go. There we go. That's it. Uh, we haven't done putty yet. We've done no. drive and, uh, and fairway woods. Um, so the mulligan, Nick's tip of the week, all of that still to come. Um, but why don't we start with um, it's uh, FedEx playoffs and uh, the FedEx St. Jude uh, at TPC Southwind. And this is how it went down. No danger here. Perfection. Just right to start. It's a good shot. That's all he needed to do. He's going to have a great feel for the speed down the hill off the regulation. Looking at going back to back two weeks in a row. Can happen right here. He goes left early. Totally different putt than the one he had in regulation. Mm, complete different angle. And go ahead and clean up. And Patrick knows exactly what he has to do. Keep this going. Has to make it or Glover is the champion. Got a chance. Oh, singe the edge. And Lucas Glover goes back to back including the opening leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Uh, what an extraordinary win. And the first week of the FedEx Cup playoffs started in scintillating fashion, scorching heat, storms, sweat, soaking humidity. 
the FedEx and Jude's Championships, TPC Southwind in Memphis. Lucas Glover claims his second tournament win in as many weeks. Nick, the first player to win consecutive tournaments since Tony Finau last year and the first person 40-plus to do it since. I reckon you know the answer to this. I'm just going to throw it at you. Oh, 40-plus. Yep, to go back-to-back tournaments. Okay. Um, it was in 2008. Okay. Well, was Mickelson 40-plus then? Uh, no, he probably wasn't, actually. No, you got me. VJ. Oh, VJ. Okay. Well, so, I, I, it would have taken me a while I to get I threw you under the bus, which <laughs> I like to do. Uh, Lucas Glover, so he wins the Wyndham Championship last week to start the week in 49th spot of the FedEx playoffs after starting last week in 112 before winning the Wyndham. He wins the FedEx and Jude's on the first hole of the playoff against world number four, Patrick Cantlay. He moves to fourth in the standings, earns a tidy um, 4.968 mil. Now... Just before we get into how it went and you breaking it down for us, in the last two weeks he's earned just under five mil. From 158 starts from 2012 to 2018, he earned just over five mil. <laughs> a drama-filled final day. Uh, take us through it. How did you take it all in? Oh, well, Lucas Glover, I mean, three months ago, uh, he was in the doldrums, basically, and it yeah. was all because of his putting. He was yeah. really struggling with it. He was thinking about um, using going left-handed at one point or he was going to go with the long putter and he ended up going with the long putter. So to give you an idea of how he was playing this season, the first 18 events, his best finish was tied for 36 and he'd had nine miscuts. So not not great, basically. <laughs> he's way back. Now, <laughs> to he's, say the least. Now he's fourth in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Yeah. The last six starts, he's had five top sixes and... 21 out of his last 22 rounds, he shot in the 60s. So, mm. And that really is all down to putting because his ball striking has always been there. Um, from Tita Green, he's, he's very, very solid, very consistent. Short backswing, not a lot can go wrong. But on the greens, it can be pretty horrific. There's been you know, some tweets through the week of him missing a putt for 60 where he's almost missed the ball. It was a complete yes. I saw that. Oh, it was incredible. But he's gone to the long putter and he's really found something now. And to go back to back especially... You know, moving from, what was it, uh, 100 and something into 49th and now into fourth position, it's it's mm. just an incredible effort. And, so he's uh, made up 108 spots in two tournaments. Yeah, just and that's the beauty of golf, how quickly you yep. can just rise through through the ranks. Now, Memphis, uh, that golf course, it gets very hot, as we know. There was a lot of sweat going on, especially down people's pants and the back of their pants, um, which was always an interesting Thing you know, maybe some yeah. shorts could, could have been an option. See, I blame for, for his players. caddy. I blame <laughs> I blame Lucas Glover's caddy for not looking at those very light tan pants. Yes, and saying, "Mate, you you, you sweat. Yeah, you, you do let out a fair bit of uh, precipitation, <laughs> and which is fine, but that colour is going to change drastically in and around areas where no one wants highlighted, yeah. especially not." Um, so it wasn't a great look for him. It wasn't a great look. But, but I don't think he cares. I really, yeah, with $5 million later, yeah, I really fine. don't think he cares. He can go out and buy as many pants as he wants, light or dark. But uh, he, he played a great round of golf, um, chipped in early to, to make a birdie. But then nothing really happened throughout the round. Then he made yeah. a bogey on, uh, I can't remember which hole it was. Oh, it was on the par three, a fantastic yep. bogey where oh, he knocked it in the water, hold a 30-foot of a bogey, and all of a sudden Cantlay leapfrogs him, but he, and then he makes birdie on the par 5, 16. I've played this golf course several times. It's, yep. it's, it's pretty, pretty quirky, tricky. You don't have to be long, but you've got to really manage your way around it. And he finished the round off beautifully. Obviously, they went into a playoff, and then first playoff hole, Cantlay just hooks one in the water, 
and Lucas Glover pretty much uh, takes the title. So I, I was texting you, uh, as we often do, uh, during the final mm. day of a tournament, just to sort of pick out what are you seeing, what are, what are we, what are we going to talk about. It was a drama-filled final day. He, he had a one-shot lead. So he led from after the second round. He maintained that lead, but it was only one shot to Taylor Moore, who fell away pretty quickly. But there was a star-studded pack in pursuit of him. Rory, Max Homer, Tommy Fleetwood, who we'll speak about, Jordan Spieth, who's refound form, um, Patrick Cantlay. And it was only Cantlay who really made the most of Glover, who I, I text you saying he's leaving the door open for them. There was that birdie on three, and then it was all pars up until, yeah. I, I think, that bogey. Um, on uh, round 13, he he left, he played such solid par golf, but that chasing pack had so many opportunities to take him down. None of them could convert the multitude of birdie opportunities mm. that they were having, except Cantlay, who shoots um, the, the best round of the day with six under, bogey-free. Um, he sank so many long-range putts, so he saved that par on 11. Um, he the, 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 the bogey putt, on 13 was huge, 14, uh, on 14, sorry, after he found the water. So par putts on 11, 13, 14 was to make bogey after, you say, he found that water. That was massive. Huge. Mr. Birdie putt on 15, that allows Cantlay to take the lead. He then birdies 16 to tie it up, and then the clutch par putts on 17, 18. And he could have won it on 18, but he left that long-range yeah. one just a little short. Um, and then Cantlay thought he could lay up. I've been waiting all <laughs> Last two Cantlay days. could so, lay. I like Cantlay that. Cantlay could not lay up uh, with a three wood that sort of bounced back into the water. Glover finds the middle. They then have identical putts for for birdie and par. And then Cantlay, as you heard from Jim, singes yeah. the edge. And I, I just feel like there were so many players that had an opportunity to be part of that playoff, but none of them could take the you know none of them could step through the door that he was. Not because he was playing badly. It's just that he couldn't make birdies either. But neither could they. So the only one that ended up sort of making a fist of it was Cantlay. Yeah. Well, and that's Sunday pressure. You know, the back nine on a Sunday, that's what it's all about. It's about holding those putts and, and getting that momentum going forward. But he he didn't play bad golf. He didn't play really good golf. It was a bit of a no. mix. I mean, he was probably running on a bit of fumes from the week before when he won the Wyndham Championship. Yep. Uh, it was so hot, 110 degrees Fahrenheit. He's in his 40s too, so he's, you know, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's 43, so he's he's doing pretty and well. Jim says that's one for the old guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. Thanks, Nance. Yeah, that was great. But the other part of the whole story is you've got this FedEx Cup uh, competition going on, so mm. you're looking at now the top 50 into next week, the BMW Championship. Yeah. Sorry, this week now it is. And, uh, and the bubble that was going on there, there were two players that moved inside the top 50, our own Cameron Davis. What mm. a week that was for him. He needed about a top seven or an eight, and he finished his tied for six, and he yep. sneaks into that top 50. So that actually... All rounds in the 60s for Cam. Yeah, and the biggest thing for him is that top 50 now secures him every signature event next week, which is massive for his career next going year, forward yeah. next year for 2024, this new schedule. So that all those elevated events, yeah, it's great. He's playing in all the big ones. Uh, the other player who moved inside was Hideki Matsuyama. He birdies five of his last six holes to knock out Mackenzie Hughes. He went on a tear, oh, didn't he? It was incredible. To, but this whole FedEx Cup bubble watch, you know, we watched the 50. And then yep. this coming week, we're going to be watching for the top 30. And it's so it's, it's great drama coming down the stretch. It, it is. I think Jim missed... Not, not, not I would ever point out to one of the great <laughs> commentators in, in a couple of different sports, but he's so good at the, the one-liner. I, I was really thinking, and I always try to pick it, like what's he yeah. going to go in the narrative? Because mm. when he walked in that, that final tap-in putt, I thought Jim could have gone with walking it in in Memphis. 
Oh, I like that. Yep. Gee, that is good. Sam, you... Yeah, you it's one of my favourite songs, yeah. Walking in Memphis. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, that's a bit self-indulgent. Um, so the last 54-hole leader, 40-plus to win a FedEx event playoff. See if you can get that trivia question for me. Oh. Last person, 40-plus, yes. who was the 54-hole leader mm-hmm. to win a FedEx event playoff. Oh, my gosh. Gee, you're throwing me under the bus here, aren't you? Um, Jim Furyk? Tiger in 2018. Oh, Tiger, of course. Yeah. And, and interestingly, Kyle Porter tweeted, this is the other great thing, incredible thing about Lucas Glover this year, because we're, we're going to talk Ryder Cup, because it's not far away. Kyle Porter tweets that Lucas Glover's had more wins in the last two weeks than Spieth, Cantlay, Chauvelet, Fleetwood, Hatton, Morikawa and Hovland have combined for in 2023. Mm. All those guys are in contention, and, and most of them will be playing Ryder Cup on either side. Zach Johnson has got a very tough job coming up because this is, this is the last week after the BMW Championship. The I think his six automatic picks mm. are announced and then there might be one more week where he has the captain's picks. And you're looking at obviously some of the live guys because now Bryson's thrown his head in the mix with that 58-61 weekend that he had last yep. week. Brooks is one of my Brooks major. is going to be in there automatically, I think. But now you've got... You know, we thought, okay, Fowler should be a good chance. Are we going to throw JT in there? And now Glover comes along. It's just so many storylines. Uh, there's a few more storylines to do out of the FedEx Cup, that which we'll speak through in just a moment. We've got the incredible story that is Lilia Vu, uh, the AIG Women's Open. We will delve into that uh, as well. Um, so much more to get through on Off the Tee. 0433 out eleven sixteen. If you've got a question for Nick that you'd like Nick to answer for his tip of the week, Please text it in 0433981116. But let's hear a little bit more from Lucas Glover, uh, the winner of the St. Jude's Championship. Where would you like me to start? Um, <laughs> it was very similar to yesterday. I was fighting, uh, fighting my golf swing a little bit, but short game bailed me out, especially my putting. Um, got to a point there, middle of the back nine, where it was just kind of survive. Um, and uh, try to give myself as many chances as I could coming in. Um, did a good job of that, but uh, only made one. Uh, nice up and down on 17, obviously, to, to stay in the tie with Patrick, um, which I was, uh, knew, knew what was going on ahead. So a uh, um, couple big, big putts on uh, 13, 14, one for par, one for bogey. That, uh, that kept us in the game for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if you'd have told me this three months ago, I'd tell you you're crazy. But uh, at the same time, if you asked me legitimately did I think I was capable, I'd say yes. And even then, um, it's just one of those sad ways athletes are wired. We always believe in ourselves, no matter how bad it is. And, uh, um, you know, I never never gave that up. But, uh, yeah, like middle of May, it was, it was, it was, hard, to, it was hard to go to the range. Some, some days and hard to work, but we, we pushed through and did it anyway. You're listening to Off The Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off The Tee podcast. Uh, still a heap to get through. Lilia Vu winning the AIG Women's Open. It was a great weekend for the Aussies at the Live Golf. Ripper GC getting their first team win. Cam Smith blowing them off the course with his third Live win as well. We'll talk about that coming up, but still a little bit to get through. Um, Nick, with the uh, FedEx Cup, uh, FedEx and Jude's Championship, uh, the first uh, week of the playoffs, 
Um, Lucas Glover getting the win in the playoff against Patrick Cantlay. Second year in a row, it was decided by a playoff. Last year's Alatoris and Straker with the, the bouncing ball on the uh, on the par three when Zalatoris oh, yes. hit that shot and it was bounced up and down three times. Yeah, in the playoff. On the, what would you call that, the stone wall mm-hmm. before yeah. it dropped off and then Straker actually hit it into the... The water, but just going through the top five or, or some of the the, the, the high placed finishes as we go through because it, it tells a story for a few things. So Cantlay, who won the, the FedEx Championship in twenty twenty one, winless so far this year, um, but he did move from thirteenth to fifth in the standings. Um, what did you make of, of of his tournament and sp- certainly how he finished out the final round at Bogey Free? I mean, I look at Patrick Cantlay and I think now I know what a world of AI is going to be like. <laughs> He's not the most charismatic golfer, is It wasn't is a crack, he? but his golf sort of represents his... Per- yeah, it's, yeah. You don't, he doesn't stand out for anything, but he is so consistent. He is. And, and his nickname from a couple of years ago, I think when he won the FedEx Cup, was uh, Paddy Ice or the Iceman or something like that. And uh, he's a, what they call a stone-cold assassin, basically. There's not much motion going on, but there's plenty of, plenty of game to back it up. And I must admit, I find it hard to watch him play because he does spend a long time over the ball and... And it's just something that, uh, yeah, it's not pleasing to the eye, but it's very effective when you write the score down on the scorecard. So you, it's what works for him. Um, you know, he's not going to be doing any uh, TV reality shows or documentaries, that's for sure. But at the end of his career, he'll look back and think, wow, this guy could really, really play. Yeah, I'm, I'm stunned that he's gone winless uh, this year. Um, Tommy Fleetwood was your pick. He was. Going in, and it just—it was a tough final day for him. He finished tied for third. Um, he's become the first player to surpass twenty million in earnings without a win. Mm. It's had—he's had twenty-two top five finishes. Golf Digest tells me it's the most of any player since um, uh, nineteen eighty-three without a win. I wouldn't feel too sorry for him. He's got twenty million dollars. No, that's why I put the first bit in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, I—I I thought you know I, I heard earlier in the week that he. He had had some lessons with his coach, and the coach just sent him to Memphis early, saying, "Look, mm. you're you're hitting the ball pure. So don't even bother coming yep. near me." And uh, he he started off really well. First three rounds were great, but sixty six is all across yep, the first three days. But just couldn't couldn't finish again, and that's been a bit of a pattern for him on the PGA Tour uh, all season. Really, just not been able to close it out. So uh, it'll come. Uh, obviously, the talent's there. He just needs to figure out a way to yep. close those Sundays on a back nine. A couple of bogeys when he really didn't need them on 12 as well. But, again, he had opportunities for birdies and he, you know, there's so many near misses, yep. I think, with, with, with Tommy, it just seems to be. But he has moved from 26th to 10th in the standings as well. Rory had putter issues through the week. I think he cut down his new putter uh, halfway through the round. He had his chance as well. He would have gone to number one in the world if he had a... One, um, he finished uh, tied for third with Tommy Fleetwood as well. What did you make of uh, his four days? The first two days in the marquee group with Rahm and Scheffler, it, 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 yeah, I, I was so excited to watch that and mm. it just it probably didn't reach the heights that I think I was hoping for, yeah. for that heavyweight bout. Yeah, you always love to see those sort of three guys together mm. and, and going at it. You think, oh, this could be one for the ages, but yeah, it's pretty hard for that to sort of live up to it. I didn't see any of the first couple of days. I watched a little bit of on on uh, on Sunday, and again, the putting for me, it, I, I've never been a big fan of the way he rotates his head uh, when he's over the ball. He sort of he lifts his uh, his right ear fairly high as he's looking at the target rather than turning it under. So, uh, but yeah, I heard earlier in the week he'd. he'd I think he sent his caddy to a, a Dick's Sporting Goods or something like that to get the putter cut down an eighth of an inch. 
And the guy who was there actually said, well, hang on, no one's going to notice an eighth of an inch. And he said, well, my boss is Rory. So he goes, oh, yeah, he probably will notice this, won't he? So <laughs> maybe you should have cut it down an extra quarter of an inch. I don't know. Uh, Scheffler's putter went cold again. He mm. finished up uh, tied for 31st. He was 62nd for putting. Rahm was tied for 37th. Um, Jason Day was fin- finished tied 52nd. He moved from 11th to 21st. Overall, Max Homer, who was one, uh, was my tip, um, he finished uh, in that uh, in that group that were tied for sixth. Uh, and again, he just was scrambling on that final day. Yeah. Um, some of the big moves in, in the FedEx because we've got the BMW Championship uh, this week, uh, which is the top fifty, and then it goes to the top thirty for the PGR uh, for the FedEx Championship. Um, Taylor Moore, um, who was in that final group, twenty fifth uh, to fourteenth. Some of the moves back the uh, the the other way um, that you mentioned that uh, for people who uh, Jason Day was one that yes. moved a, a fair way away, ten spots, yeah. but he's still in that top thirty. But he couldn't afford to have another. He can't afford to lose another ten spots. Yeah, if he doesn't have a great week here, well, ten spots is a big move at this stage. Yeah, um, I can't see it moving that much. I would think so. Uh, I, I I think he's safe for the top for thirty for sure. But the. The people around that bubble, it's Sam Burns at 30, Sahith Sagala at 31, Justin Rose 32. They're, they're going to have to have very solid weeks if they want to continue on. And nobody moved uh, as many spots as the man that uh, started 49th and is now in fourth. That was the winner, uh, Lucas Glover. So that brings us up to speed with the BMW Championship this weekend. We turn our attention now to the last woman's major of the year and what Lilia Vu has done this year. And her story is a cracking one. And we'll talk more about that on the other side of the break. 0433 98 11 16 to put your questions in for Nick's tip of the week for Mizuno. Uh, we'll talk live golf as well. And there's been some other fantastic Aussie results too. The Mulligan this week. There's still plenty more coming on Off the Tee. You're listening to Off the Tee with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Listen back to any part of the show you might have missed by subscribing to the Off the Tee podcast. Uh, great to have your company on Off the Tee. Sam Hargraves, Nick O'Hearn with you. We've gone through comprehensively the first week of the FedEx playoffs uh, and Lucas Glover's win in the playoff with Patrick Cantlay. Um, but there was another massive tournament happening at the same time on the women's side, the LPGA, and it was the AIG Women's Open, and this is how it finished. She is on top of the world at Walton Heath. She is the AIG Women's Open champion and a two-time major champion in 2023. It's the stars and stripes that have shone the brightest here in England today. So the AIG Women's Open, Walton Heath, 25-year-old American Lilia Vu wins her second major this year, her third LPA, LPGA career event this year. An emphatic six-shot win over England's Charlie Hull. They began the day tied um, in the lead with 11 players within five shots of them, Nick. By the time Mm. Vu tees off on 11, she had a five-shot lead, had seen them all off, including Nelly Corder, um, the number one ranked uh, player in the world. They faltered one by one except Lilia Vu. What a commanding performance and what a great story she is. 
It certainly is. It's a bit of a ball-striking clinic, to be honest. She shot the low round of the day. And if you're leading and you shoot the low round of the day, that usually works. You're probably going to take the title. But uh, Charlie Hull made a good fist of it, but unfortunately she she just couldn't keep up with her. But the other thing she did was she's the first American since Julie Inkster in 1999 to win two majors in one season. And she also took over the number one spot on the Rolex rankings, the world rankings for the women. So that's an amazing achievement. But it was a little confusing for me. I thought I haven't heard much of this lady other than the two major wins. And yeah. I was looking at her last six events. She's missed four of the last six cuts. But she, yeah. by winning this, she goes to number one. So yeah. it's, it's Since incredible. Since the Chevron, she mm. missed four out of six and spoke about the fact that it didn't come from anywhere other than in her own mind, the expectations of now being a major winner yeah. and what that now meant uh, for her golf. But um, she also, in 2021, didn't have her LPGA card anymore, had to play the Epson. Yeah. And now within two years has won three tournaments this year, two of the majors. That's not a bad record. If two out of your three career wins are majors, Nick, (laughs) that's pretty darn special. Yeah, that'll work for you, that's for sure. But uh, she's been a a standout player ever since the college days. Um, And she put on, as I said, a bit of a ball-striking clinic over that final round. But I think another winner of the week was Walton Heath, the golf course. It was absolutely magical. You got this beautiful pink and purple heather. Yeah. It's it's a Heathland-style course. It played very firm and fast, so that was great to see. Uh, The crowds turned out. The English were in full force and, you know, beautiful summer weather that they have over there, which can be a bit dodgy at times. Mm. But uh, unfortunately for the Aussies, it wasn't a great week. Grace Kim was our best Australian at tied 36. And Minji Lee, after a good start, she was three under through two rounds. Yeah. Unfortunately, had a really bad weekend and finished in tied for 50th. Shows how tough it was. I mean, mm. tied for 36 and not a round under 70 for, for Grace Kim. Um, yep. All our other Aussies, Steph Kuriaku, Sarah Kemp, Lydia Coe, Kelsey Bennett and Hannah Green um, all missed the cut by some way. Um Again, forty nine thousand uh, for for Grace Kim. Mm. Another another experience. Another major played. Um, another cut made. She just continues to build. She continues to go on. That's for sure. And it's it's all part of this rookie season, building up the yeah. uh, building up the miles in her legs, basically to play all these different golf courses, different tournaments. But the good news was there was a couple of other fantastic Aussie results. Uh, firstly, hey, can I give you a stat first? Yeah, please. We've been speaking about just how strong a position women's golf is in uh, at the moment, just how deep the talent runs. I, I, I think we're in a period of time at the moment where we're, we're, we're throwing out those old conventions about women uh, aren't as good as men and no one cares about women, all that stuff. I mean, the Matilda's getting a peak of seven point something million during mm. that penalty shootout, uh, the highest watched uh, sporting um, event on Australian TV ever. Um, golf Digest put up this stat. An insane stat that just shows just how good women's golf is. So Russell Henley is the PGA Tour's straightest hitter, 72.42% of fairways hit. To take that same percentage onto the LPGA, he would be 77th. (laughs) That's great, isn't it? Yeah. Just think about that for a minute. The most accurate hitter off the tee, not length, it's got nothing to do with distance, the most accurate hitter in the PGA is yep. Russell Henley, 72.42%. That percentage is good enough for 77th on the LPGA. Jeez, they hit the ball straight. <laughs> but the thing I love about the women's game is it's basically more relatable for the for, 
for the entire public. It's basically yeah. how, like Hannah Green, Minji Lee, they probably hit the ball a very similar distance to I do. They probably hit it further than I do, to be honest, and probably straighter at the same time. So, <laughs> But they play a game which we're very familiar with. The, the men's professional tours, if you go watch them in person, you go, uh, yeah, there's no chance I'm ever going to be able to do that. Mm. However, if you go watch some of the, the women players, you think, well... I could do that. I'm just not going to be able to do it as often. The thing yeah. about the women players is that they are so consistent. Like, they Smooth. just do not miss a golf shot. Metronomic swings. The short games are incredible. Yep. So, you know, the average uh, male player, for instance, they're not going to be able to do that either. They might be able to hit one good shot now and then, but they just consistently do it, and it's fun to watch. I yeah. love watching the women play. I just wanted to – I saw that stat Golf Digest had put up, and I thought that might be my f- the most mind-blowing stat of the year, <laughs> but how good a stat – is it? And just a great one to have in your back pocket when anyone pulls out those tired old tropes. Um, so, yeah, well done uh, to Lilia Vu. Well done to our Aussies as well. Uh, the live event in Bedminster. First time they've really gone head-to-head with a big PGA event. Um, and, and there were good crowds mm. at Bedminster. Really, really good crowds. And uh, this is how it closed out. Professional pride would suggest that Cam would not want to end things with a bogey at 18. Cameron Smith has decimated a world-class field in Bedminster. He's won by seven shots. He's now top of the Live Golf League with two events to go. And he's guided Ripper GC to their first win in their Live Golf history. I think I'm a long way off the greatest of all time, but uh, I did I did play good this week. Um, the game felt good. Uh, you know, uh, I won a couple of weeks ago in London. I wasn't way, I wasn't happy with the way that I won. I was happy that I won, but just the way that it kind of all worked out, I wasn't happy with how I played in that last day, and I didn't want the same thing to happen today. And I got off to a bit of a rough start, um, and yeah, just just play good. Uh, just trusted my feels. Uh, spoke to my my coach early in the week, and um, we just spoke about some stuff that was going on and, and typical stuff, you know. Um, it's always the same thing and uh, just trusted it the last, you know, probably 14, 15 holes and um, worked out all right. Do you feel like you're the best putter in the world currently? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, okay, I'll it's, take it's, that. It's hard, it's, hard to, it's hard to say that. Um, yeah, I, I think I'd be up there, but... Um, he's not... That, that's not hubris that he's thinking about that because chances are he'd at least be, Nick, top what? Putters in the world? He's probably the best putter in the world. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think there's much of a competition at the moment. Uh, third live event, as you heard, top of the standings, two events to go, including the, the team event in Miami. Ripper get their first team event win. Cam, he blew them away. Seven shots uh, he, he won by. He was supreme. He was making birdies off roads. Uh, chipping in, out of bunkers, you name it. He was on another level. And his teammates, for one of the first times in live, didn't leave him to do it all. Yes, he did a ton of it. But even Jed Morgan on the final day, five under day for him was a great round. They showed a stat that um, all the guys had been in the scoring at least twice out of the three days of the team. So they all contributed and, and they had a massive win on the team side as well, uh, Mark Leishman and, and Matt Jones and, and Jed Morgan. So uh, it was it was pretty fun scenes when they won that. It was. And, they, and you know they're going to enjoy it. They've got till September 22nd off now. 
Yeah, they got about five weeks off, yeah. which is a big break for them. But as you said, they, Chicago. they all contributed, but to be honest, Cam carried them. Uh, yeah. Le- Leash was up there for a while. Yep. He was... So, so Cam was 12 under. Next best score was five under. It goes to show how tough the golf course played. Phil was up there for a little while. When Cam said he got off to a bit of an ordinary start, Phil had a – he was almost within two shots of the lead and then he makes an eight on a par three and, and now he's not even on the leaderboard. So I think the, there was a lot of high scores. Lee Westwood brought up the rear end of the field at 20 over. So that just goes to show how tough the golf course was playing, although maybe he just thought, well, I'm guaranteed money anyway. I'll just uh, – <laughs> Just, just bag it in for the rest of the way. But, uh, but the course was playing tough. It was great to see Jed Morgan. He shot seventy-eight the second round, so he would have been pretty annoyed with himself with that. Yeah. Came back with one of the best scores of the day on the final round and took home a big check. They split three million US dollars between them. Yeah, he, Jed rang his dad. I heard him say, and his his dad just said, "Just, just go and play," sort of thing, yeah. and get out of your head and. Um, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting when they interviewed Jed after. He just he was he was really beating himself up. He rang his dad, as you do. Yeah, he's he's going to have to do something really special over the closing few tournaments. Otherwise, he'll be in that relegation zone and may not be playing there next year. But uh, yeah. hopefully, this is the kickstart that he needs. Yeah, Cam and and the guys are saying they believe he's one of the best young talents to come out of Australia. He's got the game in him. It's just about doing it week in, or yes. month in, month out on live and uh, and day in. Yeah, I I played with him last year at the Cathedral Invitational and he played an amazing round of golf, but he just threw in a nine at the last hole to shoot about level par. So you think "Mm, the consistency isn't quite there as yet. Uh, Gabby Ruffles. Oh, incredible. Yeah, this is her third win of the year on the Epson Tour, so the secondary tour in the US. She's guaranteed her LPGA card. They used to, once you win three tournaments in a season, they used to give you a promotion up to the LPGA Tour, but they don't do that anymore because the category was too low. But she had a three-shot win for the 23-year-old Victorian, just playing beautifully. Three wins in 12 starts this season. And if you think back to last year, she forgot to enter LPGA qualifying school. She was driving to the qualifying site, forgot to enter when she got there and realised, hang on, okay, I'm back on the secondary tour. It may have been a blessing in disguise because Mm. she's just gone on to an incredible season and she's, look out for her next year. Yeah, you've you've been telling us about her for a little while now. What is it about her game that you really sort of believe in, that you see, that you go, yep, has all the tools? What, What are you seeing when you watch her play? Just like a lot of the, the women golfers, just rock solid. The swing is uh, technically very sound. Uh, short game's great. Beautiful putter. But uh, I was talking to some friends of mine tonight, um, the Woodbridges, who, who are very close with the, the Ruffles family because mm. uh, Todd was coached by uh, Ray Ruffles, her father. And yep. they, they said um, she is one of the hardest workers out there. Very, very solid work ethic and it's going to go a long way in this game. Hopefully her brother, Ryan, who's playing a challenge tour at the moment, can pick up on some of those vibes and, and really uh, kickstart kick his career as well. Uh, this is Off The Tee. Hey, 0433 If you've got a question for Nick Ahern that you'd like, him, you'd like him to answer as part of Nick's tip of the week to help you personally with your game, uh, the question that we read out, we'll get a signed copy with a personalised message of his book, How to Play Your Best Golf. 0433 We're going to do that in the next segment. Oh, by the way, Steve Elka and your mate, Stewie Apple, we both top five in the Boeing Classic mm. on the Champions Tour. Uh, Steve Ames uh, was the winner, but Rod Pampling was tied for 13, Richard Green as well, and David McKenzie was uh, tied for 47th. Um, Sam, who sent in last week's uh, 
question for you for the tip of the week. Uh, he loved Cam Smith uh, and Ripper GC's win. Uh, and Sam, don't worry, that book is uh, on its way to you of uh, Nick Ahern's How to Play Your Best Golf. This is Off the Tee. Sam Hargrave, Nick 2 and O'Hearn, uh, back with more The Mulligan. We're going to keep building the ultimate golfer. And Nick's tip of the week, of course. Uh, all the news on Off the Tee in the golfing world is for Ping Golf Equipment. Ping Golf Equipment, custom engineered, custom fit and custom built for you to play your best. around Australia on SEN, welcome to Off The Tee, talking all things golf with Nico Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Uh, welcome back to Off The Tee, 0433 is the number to text in your question for Nico Hearn. If yours is the question we read out this week, you will be getting a signed copy with a, with a personalised message. Uh, his book, How to Play Your Best Golf. Uh, we'll do his tip of the week in a moment. So you've got some ch- time to get through. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. The mulligan. Each and every week, uh, Nick and I like to hand out a mulligan for someone who really could have used one. Uh, Nick, have you got any nominations this week? Well, uh, apart from Lucas Glover's pants choice <laughs> on the final day. Well, I'm, I'm going to leave one because you know we 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 spoke of one a little earlier, yeah. which I was going to say, but you wanted to say it. Oh so. well, no, please. This no, is, you sure? Okay. No, well, this is absolutely your okay. domain. I just <laughs> I chime in when you don't have one. Uh, okay. Well, I think you might have two. So I'm going to go with uh, Rory McIlroy. Mm. His comment about Phil Mickelson in the press conference when they were talking about his gambling and how Phil might have bet on the uh, the Ryder Cup, and Rory said something along the lines of. Um, what did he say again? He said, uh, well, he won't be out. He, he can bet on this well, one. The talk of the golf world is this book excerpt that came out uh, about Phil Mickelson. I'm curious what the your reaction, what the reaction in there was when you read about it. Um, I mean, at least he can bet on the Ryder Cup this year because he won't be a part of it. So, Not great, was it? No. no. Snide, yeah. sarcastic, insensitive. I mean, Phil's spoken about pretty openly about his addiction. Uh, the book is, um, it's for shock value. Someone pointed out that, yeah, okay, you're looking at the amount that he bet, but you're forgetting how much he made. It's the equivalent of someone who makes 150 grand a year betting $150. Yeah. You know, it, it's actually within his means. It's, it's exorbitant amounts of money, yes, but you have some perspective. And he's been pretty open and honest, Phil, about that it was an, it's an addiction and he's worked really hard to overcome it. Someone shouted out to him at Bedminster, I bet you don't make this part. And he said, I'd take you up on it, but I'm not a gambling man. And just <laughs> laughed. And, and everyone laughed. And so he – but I just thought that was a cheap shot from Rory. And yep. did you notice that nobody laughed? Mm. If you're going to be a statesman of the game, Nick, do you pick and choose when to be a statesman of the game or – is that something you, you just are? Well, you just have to be consistent with your views yep. and, and everything like that. And, look, Rory has been, I think, great with the media all year with what's been going on. Mm. Um, you know, we live the PIF and the tour schedule and all that. But in this instance, he needs a mulligan, and I'm sure he probably regretted saying that as soon as it came out. And he walked out of the press conference too straight after. So it was sort of like, um, I'm just going to give a drive-by and then and then off I go. Yeah. Have you got a mulligan, by the way? I oh, know I'm with you on that. Oh, okay. 100%. I, yep. I, I just thought that was re- that was classless, yep. um, insensitive. Golf shot wise, maybe Cantley's three wood on the playoff hole. Cantley's three wood, yeah. On <laughs> the, oh, well, you can't lay up on that, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> he needed a, he needed a driver, yeah. and he didn't. He thought he could lay, and he can't lay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's enough of that. Very very poor gag. Um, we're building the ultimate golfer. Um, we got your tip of the week to come, but. 
the ultimate golfer. So just to refresh the, the memories, we started with the driver of Scotty Scheffler because he hits um, Tita Green. You, you love what he does. Yes. Fairway Wood was uh, the great Henrik Stenson. Mm. Now, irons. We're going to rip through some irons before we get to your tip of the week. Yeah, we're going to go long irons, and it's hard to go past Jack Nicholas in that mm. regard, one of the best um, long iron players in the world. If you remember, he's one iron into 17 at Pebble Beach in the US Open back in 1972, yep. hitting the flag. Got to go with Jack there. Mid-irons, I'm going to say... What's Jewel in the Sun um, yes. of 1977, 78? 77. 77, him Turnbury. and Tom Watson. Mm. It's on KO. It's unreal. It is Watch that and you'll see great long iron play from both. And the finish was incredible yeah, too. Yeah, insane. Yeah. Uh, mid-irons, we're going to do all the irons today. Mid-irons is going to be uh, Colin Morikawa. That guy hits his... Really? And when I say mid-irons, you know, probably five, six, seven, eight, nine iron, that sort of a thing. Mid to slightly short irons, I guess you could say. Um, he just threads the needle. It's just so mm. impressive how how accurate he is. Uh, wedges is, is, is the last piece of the irons that I will go with. And... Can I get two golfers or, or not really? Um, with no, I'll, I'll, I'll go with one. I'll go with one. Steve Stricker, his wedge game is just incredible, mainly because of his golf swing. He does has very little hinge um, you know, with his wrist, with his, with his golf swing. So he controls the spin beautifully, one of the best wedge players I've ever seen. We've got a couple of minutes left, but just wanted to quickly mention everybody that the uh, PGA of Australasia uh, summer starts in earnest this weekend with the uh, NT PGA uh, up in Darwin. Um, some of a lot of last year's winners, including Andy Martin uh, of tournaments, um, are, are going to be up there. So it's got a really good field assembled. Some new, young, freshly turned pros who are stepping out for the first time. So that's going to be really exciting. We'll update you on all the results of that uh, next week on Off the Tee. Tip of the week this week uh, for Mizuno Golf. Hashtag nothing feels like a Mizuno. Mizuno Golf, find your nearest stockist or fitter at mizunogolf.com slash au. Anthony from Altona has texted in, and he's got some issues getting his shoulders straight with his stance. Now, he wants mm. to know specific drills, but when it comes to alignment, your setup, mm. there's a few variables, isn't there? And you talk about that in your book. Yeah, there is some variables about, yeah, we, are you on a flat lie, downhill, uphill, side hill, you, you, you name it. But I, I think Anthony's talking more just in generic terms here. And, and really, when you get on the range, the key is to use uh, either a clubs on the ground or an alignment stick on the ground mm. is really important. Obviously, you want your feet uh, pointing slightly. If you're a right-handed golfer, just slightly left of your target. It's actually not going to be at the target, your feet. So remember that. What tends to happen a lot of the times is because when you grip the club, your left shoulder's a bit higher than the right, sometimes your shoulders can open up. So I have a feeling maybe with Anthony, his shoulders are getting a little bit too open. So an easy little checkpoint with that is take your setup how you normally would and then just grab the club that's in your hands, keep your shoulders where they are and place them across your shoulders and just check, okay, is it on the same line as my feet and make adjustments from there. A lot of people I find they have their shoulders slightly open. So if anything, feel as though you have your shoulders slightly closed at setup and they probably will be square. The other thing is maybe you could get a mirror that you could put underneath your feet. So, you know, these putting mirrors that you get, that's quite a good little thing as well. You can you can line your shoulders up in that regard. So just keep a check on it. But, uh, you know, specific training drills, it's really just about awareness of your feet and your shoulders and, and where they're aiming. Anthony, uh, our producer's going to get your details, give you a call, get your details, uh, and we're going to get a copy of Nick's book, How to Play Your Best Golf, out to you. Mizuno Golf, hashtag nothing feels like a Mizuno. Nick's tip of the week. Thanks, Anthony, and thanks everybody who texts through as well. Hey, Nick, we've got about 30 seconds, mm. but... Um, were you ever in a playoff at TPC Southwind? Uh, I was not. I needed to birdie the final hole <laughs> back about 10 years ago it was. Dustin right. Johnson had the lead. And I did a uh, Patrick Cantley. Managed to knock it in the water on the last. And Same it, spot? 
Uh, no, I, I actually went in the water well left to where he was, so I made the best bogey you've ever seen to finish third. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great week, though, and we got to see great, um, Graceland and everything. It was fantastic. So were you trying to lay it up as well? Oh, no, I was going for it. I had yeah. driver. <laughs> you had yeah. the big stick. Going for the wind. <laughs> Unfortunately, my ball didn't float. <laughs> I love it. Uh, we'll be back next week from 8 p.m. Uh, the Global Game is up next. Thanks for listening and happy hitting.